Welcome to the Smarter Building Materials Marketing Podcast, helping you find better ways to grow leads, sales, and outperform your competition. All right, everybody, welcome to Smarter Building Materials Marketing, where we believe your online presence should be your best salesperson. I am Zach Williams, alongside my co-host, Beth Popniglov, and we have got a killer show lineup for you today. I am so excited about what we're going to be talking about because in the couple minutes of prepping for the show, my perspective has already changed about the building product space. It's going to be great. It's not a secret that we're not afraid of controversy here. We love to talk about the things that need to be talked about. So we are so excited to welcome Joy Linsky into the studio to help us debunk some myths that just need to be done with. She is the founder of Jewel Toned Interiors. It's an interior design organization based in South Florida, and she has some really cool stuff to share with us today. Joy, thanks so much for your time. Thank you, guys. I'm happy to be here. So before we get into the many, many things that we need to discuss, Joy, why don't you take a couple minutes and just introduce yourself to our listeners and introduce us to Jewel Toned Interiors. Sure. So my name is Joy Linsky. I am a sixth generation Floridian, which in itself is pretty rare. Born and raised in Florida, went to University of Florida, go Gators. I've actually known Beth since I was a child up in Fort Pierce. I started JTI about eight years, nine years after graduation from University of Florida. It's a very architecturally based interior design program. And that's because I saw that there was a disparity in the design industry for work-life balance and offering people to actually be humans at work and like actually enjoy their life. It's a lot of burnout, a lot of competition in-house. So I wanted to create a studio that was very highly creative, that valued the people that worked there and that did amazing projects and provided amazing customer service. So clients come to us because we listen. So that's actually a huge, huge thing. I can't believe that that's actually a differentiator, but we hear it a lot. (laughs) And we do work in all markets. So we do mostly commercial. I'd say about 80% of our work is commercial. And we do work in education, corporate, retail, restaurants, healthcare. And actually, we do ton in fitness and wellness spaces. And that's our favorite. We love doing wellness spaces. So we're honored to do a ton with uh, nonprofit and in the housing affordability conversations because there's a huge need in so many areas of the states. So, And we're not slowing down anytime soon. We're really all about raising awareness around the fact that there is that disparity and that people need homes that they can afford to live in. So I actually reached out to Joy for this topic because we talk to manufacturers all the time. We talk to really smart people on our podcast, and it seems like there's still some misunderstanding around the importance and the true value and I would even say like true role of an interior designer in commercial and residential construction projects. And the reason I reached out to Joy specifically is because the way that her organization JTI positions is very much in line with more like a construction company. So if you went to their website, it's her and the team are wearing hard hats and on a job site, it immediately hits on all of the pre-assumptions that you might have about an interior design firm and basically flips it on its head. And we were just talking at the beginning about how can a project even run the way it's supposed to without this person and this role on the inside. And it's really because of the lack of awareness and value around it. So Joy, I would love to hear from your perspective. I mean, you obviously got into the business to do things 
differently? How are the projects that are brought to you different once they actually get to you? What's the kind of perception that someone has when they bring it to you? And then how are you actually moving through the project in the true value that you think you should have? I think one of the biggest things is just for us to get involved early on in the process. So a lot of times it's like when the project is a twinkle in the client's eye, you know, and we need to be in line with the architect and really having conversations with the client and and the architect all in conjunction and collaboration. If the builder can be a part of those conversations, even better. A lot of times people want to bid. And so I'll push for a builder to have a fee that is appropriate so that they can still be involved in those initial conversations and they can you know, feed what's actually going to happen in the end space. You know how much our market has changed rapidly over the last few years in the construction industry. So it's so important for everybody to be on the same page and have the same vision in mind. We bring the value in and how we can differentiate ourselves from an architect. We play very nice in the sandbox and I have such respect for architects. But architecture comes at it from a building systems perspective, where interior designers come at it from an experiential perspective, meaning how do you want your clientele to feel? How do you want your employees to feel? Investors, you know, fill in the blank, patrons at a restaurant, spa goers, whoever it is, how you actually want them to feel in this space. We reverse engineer our design to fit that and make sure that that vision can be realized. So Beth was talking about controversy at the beginning of this episode. Let's pretend for a second there's an architect who's a fourth guest on this podcast for a moment. Would they agree with you or would they disagree that the architect doesn't think about the experience as much? I think that some do. And my experience is very you know successful architects that bring their expertise from a structural and building system standpoint and planning. I don't mean to discredit the planning because that's where a big overlap is, is in space planning. Those architects will truly value how we come at it differently. And most of them, what they really don't like, because even though I'm like big picture, 30,000 feet, like what's the experience? We're also down to like, what's the nail head? right? So that's like super detailed. And most architects don't like to be hung up in that level of minutia. But for us, it's like, you know, God is in the details. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It's important. That's an architect's quote, by the way, I have to say, God is in the details. (laughs) I think it's interesting because for our audience who are primarily building product manufacturers, they would say, and this is something Beth and I were talking about in prep for the show, If you talk to a manufacturer who's focused on architects, they might say, oh, I'm focused on architects and designers. Like it's almost like one and like there's a big gap between If a designer finds us. And designer, if like a kind of. Yeah. And I think what you're saying, Joy, and this is something we've seen too, is that there's been a bit of a shift in the role of the interior designer in the commercial space as well as residential. I know you're much more focused on commercial, which is they're much more involved throughout the entire as you said, experience, but like what's happening from one space to another space in your role and choosing and specifying products is probably greater than what most manufacturers might understand. Would you agree or disagree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm mostly from drywall out. 
So like, I'm not going to tell a builder what kind of drywall to use, you know, or what kind of studs or any of the means and methods that go behind building. But when it comes to what's actually being applied or what's being installed from the lighting systems, absolutely. We guide all of that and we specify all of that. So we have our favorites, you know, we have our go-tos and it all is different based on financial parameters because we do so much in affordable housing and nonprofit work that we have to get super creative with inexpensive materials. And you can do that. So we'll have to be able to detail some pretty unique things to allow the contractor to not have to RFI after RFI and have to be always picking up the phone and calling our team. I'm super, super proud of the level of drawings that comes out of this office in that we have builders that are like, I've never seen a set of plans like this before. And it's because of the level of detail and the notes on how everything should be installed and material transitions and all those details. So I mean, yes, Beth, I'm in the construction industry fully. I actually, I'm president of Construction Executives Association down here in South Florida, and I am the first woman president as of this year. So I'm very, very excited about that and have to make a plug for it because it's obviously a forward-thinking organization having a woman as president. Have you found yourself in a position, Joy, where you're working with building owners who are surprised they had to contract with an interior designer? after working with a builder and an architect and going through all of that process. And then they come to the point where they realize, oh, that project has ended and my building is empty and incomplete. Honestly, it's, that's a huge red flag. So if a client is onboarding us that late in the game, we're like, A, we can't transform space. And then B, we are going to drive the cost up because you've already you know, spent all this time designing and selecting and you're not happy necessarily there's an additional cost, you know? So we try to really inform people like we can offer this. It's not our full fledged best range of services. And what we really feel like is setting you up for success, but on your next project, we hope you hire us sooner. And they typically do. So it is like really great that like once they experience it, Later in the game, they're like, oh my gosh, you're going to be the first people that we hire because those kind of like vision casting conversations that are a lot in your space and like that overarching marketing, branding, kind of like what you're putting yourself out into the world as those conversations are what we really ask people. They almost seem like fluffy and like weird, but we're like, we promise you there's a reason why we're asking you this. Because a lot of times people don't know what design concept they want. And that's how we pull the design concept together. So highest and best use, if you could you know, make the rule of where and how interior designers play in construction projects, what would that look like for a client to get their best outcome? For me, it's prior to lease or purchasing. So we actually have the client right now we're doing a test fit for. And it's a marginal pennies on the dollar fee just so we can show them that their program, meaning how many people, how many conference rooms, break room, you know, how much storage needs that program, that we can fit their program into the space and that it's feasible. It's basically a feasibility study. That's awesome because then if that space works, great. If it doesn't, we help them. They know they need to go up or down in terms of square footage and then they find the right size space for them. You know, post-pandemic, It's not about downsizing necessarily. It's about right-sizing per company because sometimes that means you need to give your people more space. Everybody went like open office with Google and then everybody's like, 
I don't want to work next to this person. You know, like <laughs> I need a little space. Like I need a door. Yeah, I need a door to slam. <laughs> yeah. So we do a lot of right-sizing conversations with corporate clients. Can you think of a manufacturer recently, like in the last year or so, that maybe you didn't know about, or maybe was like on the fringe, that like got your attention somehow, and then you ended up specifying them? And the reason why I'm asking about this is because I want to know what did they do to get your attention? Like a lot of our listeners want to target people like yourself. Like what are they doing to get you to notice them in a way that you're like, you know what, that's very interesting. I'm going to listen to what you have to say and we'll consider specifying you or choosing you for a project. So, I mean, one thing is that we have JTI outings where my team actually goes out of the office and does something fun, not interior design related with an interior design vendor, but that means like a lighting provider or Schluter rep or a tile rep or, I mean, grout, mape, you know, like any of those materials, they take us out of the office and then like we've gone ax throwing, we've blown glass, we've done pottery, we've done a cooking class. But recently we did axe throwing with a lighting vendor. They had all of this quick ship items and, you know, lead times is such an issue right now. And so to find out that they had domestic inventory of beautiful lighting that wasn't insanely expensive. I mean, you're checking like so many boxes that we are just painting the world with them because it's just, it's so, and we didn't know about it, but we like shared, you know, we had a cocktail we're throwing some axes and like, you know, that's how we learned about them. So it's very out of the box, but I think it's really kind of reaching your customers where they're at. My team, we are super busy. We have lunch and learns every Wednesday with a vendor, but it feels like work, right? You're not getting a break. Cass, did you come up with this idea or did like a vendor initially suggest it to you? Like, Hey, let me take you guys out. Or you're like, Hey, I want to listen to you talk but I actually would rather go to a cooking class with our team. Would you like to join us? I'm curious how that evolved. I think it started with, I can't, I don't think I can take credit. I think it was on glass totally take throwing a while okay. ago. And I think it was like three vendors that joined forces because it was expensive to take my whole team. Oh, so they footed the bill. They're like, let's do something fun and we'll pay for it. Oh yeah. We don't pay anything. It's part of marketing budgets. And especially when the three of them share. Yeah. And you remember it. And you specified the axe throwing lighting company's products. Like how much did that cost? Like 25 bucks per person for that event? Not bad. The ROI on that was bonkers. Yeah. And to think about the fact that we have 20, 25 projects going at a time and how many light decorative lighting is in all those projects because of this multifamily and like schools and like big, big projects. It's a lot of lighting. So it could, you know, just really our tile vendors, like once we have a good tile vendor, forget it. It's hard to move outside that relationship. You're just printing money for you them. Yeah. It's easy, you know, and I tell my vendors all the time, we specify who's in front of us. You can send us the email blast and we can maybe forward it. But if you don't come in, but gracefully don't drop in and like try to see the owners don't make me be mean i have to work right (laughs) treat other people the way you want to be treated it's literally the golden rule it's not that difficult but we really do learn so much when they get in front of us and they are able to passionately you know they're selling their product at the end of the day but it's in a different location 
There's an experience attached to it. All of it. It's good. Would that lighting vendor be on your radar without QuickShip? All other things aligned. Good quality, pretty good prices. Not right now. No QuickShip. Wow. It's just, I mean, everything is like, we're so used to hearing 14 to 16 weeks. Mm. It's so hard. So now that they've gotten their foot in the door with QuickShip, let's say everyone else comes back to normal in terms of, you know, everyone's at a constant rate for shipping. Will you choose them again? Or is it like, ah, they're like the lower quality option? Because what I'm really trying to figure out is the fact that they have QuickShip, they got their foot in the door. Are you going to use them in the future, regardless of the fact that they're shipping issue or not? I will just because now we've had the whole range, right? So meaning learning about the product, specifying it, pitching it to the client, ordering installation. So we've seen it soup to nuts. So like that's where the rubber meets the road. You have to nail it on each aspect of that interaction with a company for you to like really have a solid relationship because something can go wrong at each moment. So I would say absolutely. We're going to work with them. We'll continue working with them. First of all, they're pretty mid to high quality. So for the right project, they're really great. I'm just stuck on the fact that QuickShip was the switch turn. And I feel like if I'm a manufacturer right now, if that's the linchpin, if I'm leadership, I'm just like, this is a full stop moment. We have to do whatever it takes to get our lead times down. So Joy, you said, you know, if you're not in front of us, we're not specifying you. Timing aside, how do you know that a manufacturer is going to be who you need them to be at each of those key points in a project that you just mentioned? I mean, a lot of it's relationship. My wall covering vendor that like, well, obviously we have tons of wall covering vendors, but there's one that I know that if it's like a client with very, very high expectations about performance or basically the shit could hit the fan, right? With this client. So if that is going to be a scenario, then this one vendor, I've known him. I think he's been in the end, like actually selling the same product for like 30 years, but he has driven hours to my clients to troubleshoot for me multiple times. I don't forget that. Like I can't forget that. And I tell my team because I don't specify anymore. My team does. Hey, this person has your back. Because at the end of the day, if it doesn't perform, it doesn't necessarily look bad on the product. It looks bad on us because we specified it. We've had to rip things out and replace it. Which is the nightmare scenario. Yeah. But for the right client, it's worth it. That's a great example, Joy, of how the small stuff ends up becoming the big memories that we remember about you know, a relationship or something like that. Like, I love that you've shared that because I think that... Sometimes those things can get lost and like, how many sales calls did I have? How many meetings did I have? And what you've talked about, it's interesting. I feel like just look at the last 20 minutes or so of our conversation. The things that resonate with you are experiences, relationships, and like the things that are the intangible components of people helping you build your business, which is something we preach a lot. It's like, how do we help people build their businesses? And the people that you associate with, the vendors that you like are the ones that help you do that. So I think it's a really important note for any listener to take note of. And I mean, the digital marketing is still super important because we are constantly sharing Instagram posts or LinkedIn posts and e-blasts with each other. Like, hey, I saw this over the weekend. Isn't that kind of look like your concept? You know, we as a team, we're very, very collaborative and we try to, you know, share things and know what each other's up to so that if one of us finds a cork to fill the hole, 
we're going to give it to them. It's important too to be in the digital space just because that's where everybody is living. And so I've never been able to track my ROI on my digital marketing to me in a good way. But the fact that I'm top of mind or JTI is top of mind constantly is obvious because of being in that space. Joy, thank you so much for coming on the show. For our listeners, if they want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? I'd say LinkedIn is probably the best just because it's a networking part, you know, happy hour all the time. Like, and then it's just becoming more and more personal and, and that's kind of cool. So I'm on LinkedIn as Joy Linsky and or Jewel Tone Interiors. So the company has a page as well. And then I'm also sometimes on Instagram. The company has very, very strategic moves on Instagram too. And if you want to have our newsletter, that's like a really great way just to learn about interior design and how we're not necessarily the U.S. and not hard to work with, but that we bring a lot of value to projects. Joy, thank you again so much for coming on the show. And for our listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, check us out at venvio.com slash podcast to subscribe and get more. Until next time, I'm Zach Williams alongside Beth Popnikolov. Thanks, everybody.